0: Chapter three of the Last Plainsman This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. Recording by Mike Vendetti The Last Plainsman by Zane Gray Chapter three The Last Herd Over Grey No Man's Land stole down the shadows of night. The undulating prairie shaded dark to the western horizon rimmed with a fading streak of light, tall figures, silhouetted sharply against the last golden glow of sunset marked the rounded crest of a glassy knoll wild hunter cried a voice in sullen rage buffalo or no we halt here did adams and i hire to cross the staked plains two weeks in no man's land and now we're facing the sand we've one keg of water yet you want to keep on why man you're crazy you didn't tell us you wanted buffalo alive and here you've got us looking death in the eye in the grim silence that ensued the two men unhitched the team from the long light wagon, while the buffalo hunter staked out his wiry, lithe limbed racehorses. Soon a fluttering blaze threw a circle of light which shone on the agitated face of Rude and Adams, and the cold iron set visage of their brawny leader. It's this way, began Jones in slow, cool voice. I engaged you fellows, and you promised to stick by me. We've had no luck. But I've finally found sign, old sign, I'll admit, of the buffalo I'm looking for. The last herd on the plains. For two years I've been hunting this herd. So have other hunters. Millions of buffalo have been killed and left to rot. Soon this herd will be gone. And then the only buffalo in the world will be those I have given ten years of the hardest work in capturing. This is the last herd, I say. And my last chance to capture a calf or two you imagine i'd quit you fellows go back if you want but i keep on we can't go back we're lost we'll have to go with you but man thirst is not the only risk we run this is comanche country and if that herd is in here the indians have it spotted that worries me some replied the plainsman but we'll keep on they slept the night wind swished the grasses dark storm clouds blotted out the northern stars the prairie wolves mourned dismally day broke cold wan, threatening under a leaden sky the hunters traveled thirty miles by noon and halted in a hollow where a stream flowed in wet season cottonwood trees were bursting into green thickets of prickly thorn dense and matted showed bright spring buds what is it suddenly whispered rude the plainsman lay in strained posture his ear against the ground hide the wagon and horses in that clump of cottonwoods he ordered tersely Springing to his feet, he ran to the top of the knoll above the hollow, where he again placed his ear to the ground. Jones's practiced ear had detected the quavering rumble of far-away thundering hooves. He searched the wide waste of plain with his powerful glass. To the southwest, miles distant, a cloud of dust mushroomed skyward. "'Not buffalo,' he muttered. "'Maybe wild horses.' He watched and waited the yellow cloud rolled forward enlarging spreading out and drove before it a darkly indistinct moving mass as soon as he had one good look at this he ran back to his comrades stampede wild horses indians look to your rifles and hide wordless and pale the men examined their sharps and made ready to follow jones he slipped into the thorny brake and flat on his stomach wormed his way like a snake far into the thickly interlaced web of branches rudin adams crawled after him words were superfluous quiet breathless with beating hearts the hunters pressed close to the dry grass a long low steady rumble filled the air and increased in volume till it became a roar moments endless moments passed the roar filled out like a flood slowly released from its confines to sweep down with the sound of doom the ground began to tremble and quake the light faded the smell of dust pervaded the thicket then a continuous streaming roar, deafening as a persistent roar of thunder, pervaded the hiding place. The stampeding horses had split round the hollow. The roar lessened, swiftly, as a departing snow-squall rushing on through the pines. The thunderous thud and tramp of hoofs died away. The trained horses, hidden in the cottonwoods, never stirred. "'Lie low, lie low,' breathed the plainsman to his companions. Throb of hoofs again became so audible not loud and madly pounding as those that had passed but low muffled rhythmic jones's sharp eye through a peephole in the thicket saw a cream-colored mustang bob over the knoll carrying an indian another and another then a swiftly following close-packed throng appeared bright red feathers and white gleamed weapons glinted gaunt bronze savages leaned forward on racy slender mustangs the plainsman shrank closer to the ground apache he exclaimed to himself and gripped his rifle the band galloped down through the hollow and slowing up piled single file over the bank the leader a short squat chief plunged into the brake not twenty yards from the hidden men jones recognized the cream mustang he knew the somber sinister broad face it belonged to the red chief of the apaches geronimo murmured the plainsman through his teeth well for the apache that no falcon savage eye discovered aught strange in that little hollow one look at the sand of the stream-bed would have cost him his life. But the Indians crossed the thicket, too far up. They cantered up the slope and disappeared. The hoofbeats softened and ceased. "'Gone?' whispered Rude. "'Gone, but wait,' whispered Jones. He knew the savage nature, and he knew how to wait. After a long time, he cautiously crawled out of the thicket and searched the surroundings with the plainsman's eye. He climbed the slope and saw the clouds of dust, the near one small, the far one large, which told him all he needed to know. "'Comanches?' queried Adams, with a quaver in his voice. He was new to the plains. "'Likely,' said Jones, who thought it best not to tell all he knew. Then he added to himself, "'We've no time to lose. There's water back here somewhere. The Indians have spotted the buffalo, and we're running the horses away from the water.' The three got under way again, Proceeding carefully, so as not to raise the dust, and headed due southwest. Scantier and scantier grew the grass. The hollows were washes of sand, steely gray dunes like long, flat ocean swells. Ribbed the prairie, the gray day declined, late into the purple night. They traveled, then camped without fire. In the gray morning, Jones climbed a high rise and scanned the southwest. Low, dun-colored sand hills waved from him down and down in slow, deceptive descent. A solitary and remote waste reached out into gray infinitude. A pale lake, gray as the rest of the gray expanse, glimmered in the distance. "'Mirage,' he muttered, focusing his glass, which only magnified all under the dead gray steel sky. "'Water must be somewhere. But can that be it? It's too pale and elusive to be real. No life a blasted, staked plain.' "'Hello?' A thin black wavering line of wild fowl, moving in a beautiful rapid flight, crossed the line of his vision. "'Geese flying north and low. There's water here,' he said. He followed the flock with his glass, saw them circle over the lake and vanish in the gray sheen. "'It's water!' He hurried back to the camp. His haggard and worn companions scorned his discovery. Adams, siding with Rude, who knew the plain, said, "'Mirage, the lure of the desert!' yet dominated by a force too powerful for them to resist, they followed the buffalo-hunter. All day the gleaming lake beckoned them onward and seemed to recede. All day the drab clouds scudded before the cold north wind. In the gray twilight the lake suddenly lay before them, as if it had opened at their feet. The men rejoiced, the horses lifted their noses and sniffed the damp air. The whinnies of the horses, the clank of harnesses and splash of water, the whir of ducks, did not blur out of Joan's keen ear. A sound that made him jump it was the thump of hoofs. In a familiar beat, 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 he saw a shadow moving up a ridge, soon outlined black against the yet light sky, a lone buffalo cow stood like a statue. A moment she held toward the lake, studying the danger, then went out of sight over the ridge. Joan spurred his horse up the ascent, which was rather long and steep, but he mounted the summit in time to see the cow join eight huge, shaggy buffalo. The hunter reined in his horse, and, standing high in his stirrups, held his hat at arm's length over his head. So he thrilled to a moment he had sought for two years. The last herd of American bison was near at hand. The cow would not venture far from the main herd. The H. stragglers were the old, broken-down bulls that had been expelled at this season from the herd by younger and more vigorous bulls the old monarch saw the hunter at the same time his eyes were gladdened by sight of them and lumbered away after the cow to disappear in the gathering darkness Frightened buffalo always make straight for their fellows and this knowledge contented jones to return to the lake well satisfied that the herd would not be far away in the morning within easy striking distance by daylight at dark the storm which had threatened for days broke in a fury of rain sleet and hail The hunters stretched a piece of canvas over the wheels of the north side of the wagon, and wet and shivering crawled under it to their blankets. During the night the storm raged with unabated strength. Dawn, forbidding and raw, lightened to the whistle of the sleety gusts. Fire was out of the question. Cherry of weight the hunters had carried no wood, and the buffalo chips they used for fuel were lumps of ice. Grumbling Adams and Rude ate a cold breakfast while Jones, munching a biscuit, faced the biting blast from the crest of the ridge. The middle of the plain below held a ragged circular mass as still as stone—it was the buffalo herd—with every shaggy head to the storm, so they would stand never budging from their tracks till the blizzard of sleet was over. Jones, though eager and impatient, restrained himself, for it was unwise to begin operations in the storm. There was nothing to do but wait. Ill fared the hunters that day food had to be eaten uncooked. The long hours dragged by with the little group huddled under icy blankets. When darkness fell, the sleep changed to drizzling rain. This blew over at midnight, and a colder wind, penetrating to the very marrow of the sleepless men, made their condition worse. In the after part of the night the wolves howled mournfully. With a gray misty light appearing in the east, Jones threw off his stiff, ice-encased blanket and crawled out gaunt gray wolf the color of the day and the sand and the lake sneaked away looking back while moving and thrashing about to warm his frozen blood jones munched another biscuit his men crawled from under the wagon and made an unfruitful search for the whiskey fearing it jones had thrown the bottle away the men cursed patient horses drooped sadly and shivered in the lee of the improvised tent jones kicked the inch-thick casing of ice from his saddle kentuck his racer had been spared on the whole trip for this day's work the thoroughbred was cold but as jones threw the saddle over him he showed that he knew the chase ahead and was eager to be off at last after repeated efforts with his benumbed fingers jones got the girth tight he tied a bunch of soft cords to the saddle and mounted follow as fast as you can he called to his surly men the bluffs will run north against the wind. This is the right direction for us. We'll soon leave the sand. Stick to my trail and come a humming From the ridge he met the red sun, rising bright, and a keen northeasterly easterly wind that lashed like a whip. As he had anticipated, his quarry had moved northward. Kentuck led out into a swinging stride, which in an hour had the loping herd in sight. Every jump now took him upon higher ground where the sand failed and the grass grew thicker and began to bend under the wind. In the teeth of the nipping gale, Joan slipped close upon the herd without alarming even a cow. More than a hundred little reddish-black calves leisurely loped in the rear. Kentuck, keen to his work, crept on like a wolf, and the hunter's great fist clenched the coiled lasso. Before him expanded a boundless plain, a situation long cherished and dreamed of had become a reality. Kentuck, fresh and strong, was good for all day. Jones gloated over the little red bulls and heifers as a miser gloats over gold and jewels. Never before had he caught more than two in one day, and often it had taken days to capture one. This was the last herd, this the last opportunity toward perpetuating a grand race of beasts, and with born instinct he saw ahead the day of his life. At a touch— Kentuck closed in, and the buffalo, seeing him, stampeded into a heaving roll so well known to the hunter. Racing on the right flank of the herd, Joan selected a tawny heifer and shot the lariat after her. It felt true, but being stiff and kinky from the sleet, failed to tighten, and the quick calf leaped through the loop to freedom. Undismayed, the pursuer quickly recovered his rope. Again he whirled and sent the loop. Again it circled true and failed to close. Again the agile heifer bounded through it. Jones whipped the air with a stubborn rope. To lose a chance like that was worse than boys' work. The third whirl, running a smaller loop, tightened the coil round the frightened calf just back of its ears. A pull on the bridle brought Kentuck to a halt in the tracks, and the baby buffalo rolled over and over in the grass. Jones bounced from his seat and jerked loose a couple of the soft cords in a twinkling. His big knee crushed down on the calf and his big hands bounded helpless. Kentuck neighed. Jones saw his black ears go up, danger threatened. For a moment the hunter's blood turned chill, not from fear, for he never felt fear, but because he thought the Indians were returning to ruin his work. His eye swept the plain, only the gray forms of wolves flitted through the grass here, there, all about him. Wolves, they were as fatal to his enterprise as savages. A trooping pack of prairie wolves had fallen in with the herd and hung close on the trail, trying to cut a calf away from its mother the gray brutes boldly trotted within a few yards of him and slyly looked at him with pale fiery eyes they had already scented his captive precious time flew by the situation critical and baffling had never before been met by him there lay his little calf tied fast and to the north ran many others some of which he must he would have to think quickly had meant the solving of many a plainsman's problem should he stay with his prize to save it or leave it to be devoured Ah, you old great devils he yelled shaking his fist at the wolves i know a trick or two slipping his hat between the legs of the cap, he fastened it securely this done he vaulted on kentuck and was off with never a backward glance certain it was that the wolves would not touch anything alive or dead that bore the scent of a human being the bison scurried away a long half-mile in the lead sailing northward like a cloud shadow over the plain kentuck meddlesome overeager would have run himself out in short order but the wary hunter strong to restrain as well as impel with the long day in his mind kept the steed in his easy stride which springily and stretching overhauled the herd in a course of several miles a dash a whirl a shock a leap horse and hunter working in perfect accord and a fine big calf bellowing lustily struggled desperately for freedom under the remorseless knee the big hands toyed with him and then secure in the double knots the calf lay still sticking out his tongue and rolling his eyes with the coat of the hunter tucked under his bounds to keep away the wolves the race had but begun the horse had but warmed to his work the hunter had but tasted of sweet triumph another hopeful of a buffalo mother negligent in danger truant from his brothers stumbled and fell in the meshing loop the hunter's vest slipped over the calf's neck served as danger signal to the wolves before the lumbering buffalo missed their loss another red and black baby kicked helplessly on the grass and set up vain weak calls and at last lay still with the hunter's boot tied to his cords four jones counted them aloud in his mind and kept on fast hard work covering upward of fifteen miles had begun to tell on herd horse and man and all slowed down to the call for strength the fifth time jones closed in on his game he encountered different circumstances such as called forth his cunning. The herd had opened up, the mothers had fallen back to the rear, the calves hung almost out of sight under the shaggy sides of protectors. To try them out, Joan started close in and threw his lasso. It struck a cow. With activity incredible in such a huge beast, she lunged at him, Kentuck, expecting just such a move, wheeled to safety. This duel, ineffectual on both sides, kept up for a while and all the time man and herd were jogging rapidly to the north jones could not let well enough alone he acknowledged this even as he swore he must have five emboldened by his marvelous luck and yielding headlong to the passion within he threw caution to the winds a lame old cow with a red cap caught his eye in he spurred his willing horse and slung his rope it stung the haunch of the mother the mad grunt she vented was no quicker than the velocity with which she plunged and reared. Jones had but time to swing his leg over the saddle when the hoofs beat down. Kentuck rolled on the plain, flinging his rider from him. The infuriated buffalo lowered her head for the fatal charge on the horse when the plainsman, jerking out his heavy colts, shot her dead in her tracks. Kentuck got to his feet unhurt and stood his ground, quivering but ready. Showing his steadfast courage, he showed more for his ears lay back, and his eyes had the gleam of the animal that strikes back. The calf ran round its mother. Jones lassoed it, and tied it down, being compelled to cut a piece from his lasso, as the cords of the saddle had given out. He left his other boot with baby, number five. The still-heaving, smoking body of the victim called forth the stern, intrepid hunter's pity for a moment. Spill of blood he had not wanted, but he had not been able to avoid it and mounting again with close shut-jaw and smoldering eye, he galloped to the north. Kentuck snorted. The pursuing wolf shied off in the grass. The pale sun began to slant westward. The cold iron stirrups froze and cut the hunter's bootless feet. When once more he came hounding the buffalo, they were considerably winded. Short tufted tails raised stiffly, gave warnings, snorts like puffs of escaping steam and deep grunts from cavernous chests evinced anger and impatience that might at any moment bring the herd to a defiant stand he whizzed the shortened noose over the head of a calf that was laboring painfully to keep up and slipped down when a mighty grunt told him of peril never looking to see whence it came he sprang into the saddle fiery kentuck jumped into action and hauled up with a shock that almost threw himself and the rider the lasso fast to the horse and its loop end round the calf had caused the sudden check a maddened cow bore down on kentuck the gallant horse straightened in a jump but dragging the calf pulled him in a circle and in another moment he was running round and round the howling kicking pivot then ensued a terrible race with horse and bison describing a twenty-foot circle bang bang the hunter fired two shots and heard the spats of the bullets but they only augmented the frenzy of the beast faster kentuck flew snorting in terror closer drew the dusty bouncing pursuer the calf spun like a top the lasso strung to tighter than wire jones strained to loosen the fastening but in vain he swore at his carelessness in dropping his knife by the last calf he had tied he thought of shooting the rope yet dared not risk the shot a hollow sound turned him again with the colts leveled bang dust flew from the ground beyond the bison the two charges left in the gun were all that stood between him in eternity. With a desperate display of strength, Jones threw his weight in a backward pull and hauled Kentuck up. Then he leaned far back in the saddle and shoved the colts out beyond the horse's flank, down with the broad head, with its black glistening horns. Bang! She slid forward with a crash, plowing the ground with hoofs and nose. Spouted blood uttered a hoarse cry, kicked and died. Kentuck, for once completely terrorized, reared and plunged from the cow, dragging the calf, stern command and iron harem forced him to a standstill the calf nearly strangled recovered when the noose was slipped and moaned a feeble protest against life and captivity the remainder of jones's lasso went to bind number six and one of his socks went to it serve as a reminder to the persistent wolves six on on kentuck on weakening but unconscious of it with bloody hands and feet without lasso and with only one charge in his revolver hatless coatless vestless bootless the wild hunter urged on the noble horse the herd had gained miles in the interval of the fight game to the backbone kentuck lengthened out to overhaul it and slowly the rolling gap lessened and lessened a long hour thumped away with the rumbling growing nearer once again the lagging calves dotted the grassy plain before the hunter he dashed beside a burly calf grasped a tail stopped his horse and jumped the calf went down with him and did not come up the knotted blood-stained hand like claws of steel bound the hind legs close and fast with a leathern belt and left between them a thorn and bloody sock seven on o faithful we must have another the last this is your day the blood that flecked the hunter was not all his own the sun slanted westerly toward the purpling horizon the grassy plain gleamed like a ruffled sea of grass. The gray wolves loped on. When next the hunter came within sight of the herd over a wavy ridge, changes in its shape had movement, met his gaze. The calves were almost done. They could run no more. Their mothers faced the south and trotted slowly to and fro. The bulls were grunting, herding, pining close. It looked as if the herd meant to stand and fight. This mattered little to the hunter, who had captured seven calves since dawn the first limping calf he reached tried to elude the grasping hand and failed kentuck had been trained to wheel to the right or left in whichever way his rider leaned and as joe bent over and caught the upraised tail the horse turned to strike the calf with both front hoofs the calf rolled the horse plunged down the rider sped beyond to the dust though the calf was tired he still could bellow and he filled the air with robust balls jones all at once saw twenty or more buffalo dash in at him with fast twinkling short legs with the thought of it he was in the air to the saddle as the black round mounds charged from every direction kentuck let out with all there was left in him he leaped and whirled pitched and swerved in a roaring clashing dusty melee beating hoofs through the turf flying tails whipped the air and everywhere were dusky sharp pointed heads tossing low kentuck squeezed out unscathed the mob of bison bristling turned to lumber after the main herd jones seized his opportunity and rode after them yelling with all his might he drove them so hard that soon the little fellows lagged paces behind only one or two old cows straggled with the calves then wheeling kentuck he cut between the herd and a calf and rode it down bewildered the tousled little bull bellowed in great affright the hunter seized the stiff tail and calling to his horse leaped off but his strength was far spent and the buffalo larger than his fellows thrashed about and jerked in terror jones threw it again and again but it struggled up never once ceasing its loud demands for help finally the hunter tripped it up and fell upon it with his knees above the rumble of retreating hoofs jones heard the familiar short quick jarring pound on the turf kentuck neighed his alarm and raced to the right bearing down on the hunter hurtling through the air was a giant furry mass instinct with fierce life and power the buffalo cow robbed of her young with his senses almost numb barely able to pull and raise the colt the plainsman willed to live and to keep his captive his leveled arm wavered like a leaf in a storm bang fire smoke a shock a jarring crash and silence the calf stirred beneath him he put out a hand to touch a warm furry coat The mother had fallen beside him. Lifting a heavy hoof, he laid it over the neck of the calf to serve as additional weight. He lay still and listened. The rumble of the herd died away in the distance. The evening waned. Still the hunter lay quiet. From time to time the calf struggled and bellowed. Lank gray wolves appeared on all sides. They prowled about with hungry howls and shoved black-tipped noses through the grass. The sun sank and the sky paled to opal blue. A star shone out. Then another and another. Over the prairie slanted the first dark shadow of night. Suddenly the hunter laid his ear to the ground and listened. Faint beats, like throbs of a pulsing heart, shuddered from the soft turf. Stronger they grew till the hunter raised his head. Dark forms approached. Voices broke the silence. The creaking of a wagon scared away the wolves. "'This way!' shouted the hunter weakly. "'Ah, there he is, hurt!' cried Rude, vaulting the wheel. Tie up this calf. How many did you find?' The voice grew fainter. Seven alive and in good shape. And all your clothes. But the last words fell on unconscious ears. Chapter three.